Hi, my name is Ted Pantone. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Taraco. We are an insurtech operating in Africa, and our vision is to insure a billion people. Welcome to the InsurTech Business Series podcast. I am Fulimi. And I am Gamola. And together, we host the most exciting podcast on insurance and insurtech-related topics in Africa. Stay tuned. Hello, Ted. Thank you once again for coming on to our podcast. It's been a long time coming. We've been wanting to have you on our podcast ever since the Bimala Ambassadorator Program. Especially with what Turaco has been doing in Kenya, coming down to Nigeria, and also for Uganda. So before we delve into everything about Turaco and the insurtech industry and insurance generally, um, please, Ted. Thank you, Falumi, uh, for having me. Uh, really great to be here connecting with you guys. Um, obviously, big fans of the insurance space in Nigeria and, and I love what you guys are are doing to kind of share the message. So yeah, happy to share our story a little bit. Um I'm I'm not that interesting, but I'll share a little bit about about my my story. Um so I grew up in in California and spent spent formative years of my life there. After going to university is really when I started exploring the idea of of doing business in in Africa and working working in this part of the world i took a i took a job kind of thinking that i would come for a year and do do work with this gates foundation project um before going getting an mba and moving on with uh with with the rest of my life in the states but um yeah i actually ended up <laughs> staying and and really just falling in love with yeah, East Africa and the the places that I got to live and friends that I made and opportunities to do business here. Um, so I, yeah, I stayed and that was, I think about 14 years ago. So yeah, I've been, I've been doing business um, on the continent and in various ways. Um, obviously I moved out of the nonprofit space pretty quickly and there's a whole story there that I won't, I won't bore you with, but yeah, I've been doing business for, for 14 years. Um, in in east africa and and a little bit in west africa and yeah i'm here because i love it right where my kids were born here um i live in nairobi kenya um we uh yeah just have a kind of deep heart and love for uh for life in this part of the world um every time i go back to the states it's it's not going home for me anymore (laughs) It's it's going to a foreign land that things work in weird ways. Um, I'm, always happy, I'm always happy to come back home <laughs> to, uh, to Kenya where, where we live. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a little bit about me. I mean, my, the, the kind of motivations for, for why I do what I do and, and some of the, the journey has, has been mixed with all sorts of things. Um, I have a lot of motivation for my, my faith and my Christian faith in terms of trying to build businesses that, that help people and like the core of what they do. Um, but I'm also, I'm also just a businessman and I'm motivated by making money and want to, want to build, build that are, that are, uh, impactful in, in, in every way that you can define that term. Yeah. And I've, I've really enjoyed this, 
this last season of, of building Taraco with, with our team um, can get into the story of, of how we came to be a little bit more, but yeah, that's a little upset. I, I guess the only, the only thing I didn't mention is a yeah, happily married man with, uh, with four kids and oh, a wow. lot going on. All born here. All born in Africa. Two, two were born in Uganda. Two were born in in the U.S. Kind of in between business ventures that I had. Um, but as soon as uh, as soon as the last one was born, we moved right back to Kenya because we like <laughs> far more fun living in living in this part of the world. So, I mean, Africa is one place to fall in love with, and um, it's interesting to see that you found um, you found. I mean, East Africa as your home. Um, that's an interesting story. We don't hear that every day, do we, Damola? No, no, we don't. Uh, <laughs> so when you spoke about your work, the nonprofit organizations that you worked with at the time, was this around uh, protection? Was it about in, around insurance? Because I know that uh, Richard Lefley, I mean, that you know, I know he also had a similar journey and also pioneered this conversation around micro-insurance. Yeah, it it wasn't around protection per se. So the the projects that I was working on were were with an organization called called JPAL, which is um, a research organization out of um, MIT and and Harvard and they in Yale and they they study what works and what doesn't work in kind of development uh, economics. I thought I wanted to be an economist at the time, so I was working with these economists trying to figure out okay what works, what doesn't work um, in terms of um, the interventions that the West tries to come up with to help people here. <laughs> um, very lots of bad things in the statement that I just made, but that's, that's where, that's where my career over here started was working with them and studying that. And it was a project that was, that was funded by Gates foundation to, to do actually study what was most effective in, in water sanitation. So really interesting work there and, and, and impactful. I mean, we, um, help to provide safe water to hundreds of thousands of people in, in Kenya and Bangladesh. Um, but no, it wasn't, it wasn't related to risk. I, I don't have an insurance background um, in any way. I'm just, I'm just a guy that likes to build things and I love finding problems that need to be solved and helping to helping to solve them. So, I mean, my business experiences ranges from starting a microfinance bank to having a pizza franchise and, uh, many different kinds of investment in between. Um, my 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 journey into insurance actually started with my started with Richard Lefley's okay. company. Wow. Yeah, I, I was hired to help run a, an innovation lab that he had started internally okay. at MicroInsure. Mm. Uh, after about a year, I had a pretty clear vision about what I thought MicroInsure needed to do, <laughs> and. It was a little bit of a different vision than uh, than what their board or, or Richard had. So yeah, decided to to branch off and and uh, see if I could solve it outside of outside of that organization. Awesome. that's quite an interesting journey in, in terms of doing all of this research and you know working with um, this group of people. Did, did you then come to realization that what people want on the African continent in terms of insurance or you know in terms of financial solutions are entirely different from you know what has been provided in the Western world? Was that you know what you were able to put together to then form Turaco? I had two aha moments regarding insurance for people in Africa. The, the first was the very first time I heard about microinsurance, which was when someone was trying to, to hire me um, 
into this job at microinsure and the aha moment was of course people want to buy this like i i've been the insurance policy for so many friends in Kenya and Uganda over the years that I lived in, in both those places. And it was just very obvious to me that like having a wealthy friend is not a scalable solution to the problem, right? Like there, there needs to be insurance products designed and delivered appropriately for, for consumers in, in these markets. And I, I lived in rural Western Kenya, right? So I lived in Busia, I lived in, in, in Kisumu in a city in Western Kenya and spent a ton of time in, in rural parts of Uganda working with small business owners. And, and I just intrinsically believed that the products to help manage the risks that people faced would, would work, would be successful. Like people would be willing to pay the, the money that it would take to protect themselves against these risks and kind of pool pool resources to smooth the risks across communities. So yeah, that was, I mean, that was my first aha moment was just as soon as I heard about the concept of like mass market microinsurance, I was like, this is going to work. I want to be part of this. I want to insure a billion people in my life. Let's go. Mm. Um, so I woke up the next day with that vision in my head um, mm. and, and went, went to work with, with microinsurance to try and solve it. Mm. I think the second aha moment I had was in, in seeing on the ground, some of the work that microinsure had done in terms of really simply simplifying the products in a way that made sense for mass market consumers. And they, they had a project in Ghana and doing kind of outbound call center sales. And I remember the moment where I, I sat down with these call center agents that were doing these sales and I just talked to them about their experience and they were sharing that more than 40% of people they got on the phone were happy to buy the insurance product that they were selling. And I was just, my mind was blown by that number because right, I, I know a lot about business. I read a lot about business. I know that when you're doing call center sales, you can't expect more than like maybe 1% conversion rate in a very, very good scenario of people that you get on the phone that will actually buy your product. So it just pointed to a few pieces of the puzzle that, that hadn't been totally solved yet that I think I thought that at the time that, okay, if we could, if we could solve these pieces around unit economics and around kind of appropriately costing like the team to be able to execute on the opportunity that I thought we, we had a really good chance of making the model work. Um, so yeah, that's kind of some of the origin origin thoughts, at least around wanting to do wanting to build Taraco. Mm. You touched on, on something that I I wanted to speak about uh, that's around your model, right? But before then, you made mention of the products, right, uh, and maybe the work that Micro and Show had done at the time. Yes, what 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 exists in the market is different from what customers need. Yeah. At least that's what I have seen uh, from my experience. What are kind of like the ingredients from your experience that needs to be in place for this kind of initiatives or projects to work? Well, I, I think it's it's very obvious, actually. You need to have products that are simple enough that someone that's never bought insurance before can understand them in a two-minute phone call. Um, and that that's going to look different based upon what product you're trying to sell and maybe the income level of the person that you're trying to sell it. Right. So the product will change, but the core 
issue is you just need to simplify it a lot more than what standard insurance typically chooses to do. I mean, you, I'm, I'm now an insurance expert, right? Like I've been in the insurance space for <laughs> six years. I've got people that come to me that ask about buying insurance policies in Australia. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I sure. I know how to do that. I'm sure, I'm sure I can help you. Um, but anyways, relatively, I'm an insurance expert having, having built this business, um, for the time that we have. And even I sometimes get confused by the like base terms and conditions that insurance companies try to put into the policy wordings of what they're selling. Um, right. When I go to buy insurance for my car, comprehensive insurance for my car or a medical insurance that could cover me internationally because I'm traveling around a lot, right? The, the exclusions, the, the different ways that they word things about amount of cover. And I think the insurance industry has at its core been built around confusion and not customer centricity, right? Not having the the voice of their customer in their minds at all time designing products and when they're trying to communicate those products to, to customers. And it, I mean, it's fascinating to me because I look at this and this is, this is not just an Africa problem, right? This is the same problem everywhere and just different, different flavors of the same problem. I, I mm. think having simple products that people can understand is more necessary here because people have never bought insurance um, all in, in many of the instances where we're selling but I think it's it's a truism across the board. I I theorize with my investors around around the insurance industry, and one of the things that I I'll regularly say is that I feel like it's an industry in need of redemption. The core product that an insurance company is supposed to deliver is claims value, right? Like money paid out in claims, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you're buying when you're buying insurance policy is that they're going to pay you claims. But the way that an insurance company refers to claims and like that core product delivery is they call it a loss, right? They call it losses. So like if your core product is in your head, psychologically a loss to your business, I think you, I think you just need, are going to have a anti customer centric mindset. And fortunately with Rocco, we're able to build something that has a, a different starting point. Right, we're still in the business to make money, so I still want to make sure that we're paying out two x what we're bringing in, but we at least get to to change some of that kind of customer centric mindset that I think is is really broken in the industry as a whole. Mm, yeah, I think you make a valid point, right? And I believe that insurtex can help the industry to be more customer centric, right? And so that's why I'm happy to see a lot of incumbents. From the Nigerian perspective, for example, open to partnerships with with startups, digital partnerships, not just, oh, we are distributing through brokers and agents, but how can we think differently about distribution? Just to follow up to your point around simple product, how do you do this? Because you are dealing with an industry uh, that has sold these same products that are off the shelf today for hundreds of years so how do you actually do it? Perhaps maybe you can also link that to um, Turaco's uh, business model as well. How do you get those simple products, you know, working with insurers who are not used to this kind of conversation? Well, I think, I think the first thing is knowing what you, what you want to sell. So you have to know your customer. 
you have to actually know who your customer is, understand what would make sense for them to be able to buy. And then you have to then go and translate that into the language of insurance companies, right? Which is Mm, um, not the language of customers, but a a language that we've learned how to speak uh, as the company. And, And then you have to find really good partners, right? So we work with some amazing insurance companies who... Um, are some of them are doing right, like mass market insurance for the first time, um, or at least in a significant way for the first time. And it's just a negotiation, right? You have to explain to them the opportunity, explain to them what you're trying to, what you're trying to do, and then work with them to design products that their underwriting teams are going to be willing to uh, test out and, and then launch those products in the market. And I, I think, I think the beauty of being a startup is we're we're nimble, right? We're iterative by nature. So it means that even though sometimes we'll launch a product and the product economics don't work over time, we're able to pivot that product in the market or pivot the way that we're positioning it in such a way that we can't make the economics work. So um, yeah, without giving you kind of all the secret sauce, that's kind of... (laughs) That's right, Chair, is like really know your customers and then and then work with work with great partners, right? You there's there's plenty of of insurance companies that we've spoken to that we've ended up not working with because we think they're either not really willing to innovate enough or they're just trying to like get our get our information and then go and steal steal business from us. So working with partners that are really values aligned and um, trying to build the same thing that we're trying to build is has been imperative and critical for what we're trying to do. Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Wella Health, where we're working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways, microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on a chat on InsurTech Business Series where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Wella Health and how we can improve insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy. Okay, yeah, great, great. Um, looking at Turaco, right? Uh, even the name Turaco, I mean, I wanted to ask how did that come about, right? Because I know Turaco is a bird. Uh, so, can you tell us how you arrived at that that name? And uh, I mean, how is that is connected to you know what you do uh today? Well, first off, it's it's my favorite bird. So we we can uh, start there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um and when we were thinking about a name for for our company, we were we were trying to come up with something that was um not your typical kind of insurance acronym or or something that would be yeah would be a bit far-fetched to try and try and actually understand. Yeah. Um, when we were, when we were thinking about Taraco as a potential name and doing, and doing research about it, um, we, we learned that the Taraco is nickname is like the go away bird because mm. it's, it always lets everybody else know of the presence of predators. It mm. has, a, has a loud noise and it shouts really loud if, if there's, if there's a predator nearby. And so we just love that kind of, mentality of trying to let everybody know the presence of risk and mm. and helping protect the other the other birds in the forest um from from the risks that they might face uh in life 
So yeah, that's how we landed on the name. We also just like it because it's a beautiful bird and we love its colors and we love that it makes uh, it makes people smile when they when they see it. I think we're particularly drawn to the colors. Definitely. Okay. Um, um, I think that apart from, I mean, the beautiful name, which is Turaco, and it's, you know, quite an unusual name. Um, I know that for the Bima Lab, um, one of the reasons why um, Turaco was part of that was, you know, to um, also gain access to not just the Nigerian market, but also to gain access to the regulatory landscape. How has been your experience so far? And then how has that, you know, translated to the overall growth um, of Turaco? And has there been like a, a difference in your model in terms of how you are able to administer insurance in Kenya, um, Uganda, and then how you then have to administer that in Nigeria, judging by the fact that while we are all Africans, there's just a, a bit of difference in our reception to insurance itself. Yeah, we've had we've had a great experience in Nigeria with Nikon. Uh, they've been very supportive and collaborative about what we're trying to do. So, yeah, only only good things to say about our experience in in Nigeria from a regulatory standpoint. I mean, the, the regulations are are a bit different than Kenya and Uganda, so we've had to contextualize our way of doing business uh, to make it make it work in the Nigerian context, but. So far, it's been a it's been a fantastic relationship with the regulator, and the business itself is doing really well. I mean, we're tens of thousands of people insured after what's really just our first year of operation there, and kind of on a pathway to get to hundreds of thousands of people insured in the next twelve months uh, through some through some different partnerships that we have in process there. So, yeah, I think it's it's always interesting to me talking to different startups about their approach to regulation and whether they're trying to just hide and not get noticed or whether they're trying to go, go through the go through the back door and we've just found that it it makes a lot more sense to go through the front door to talk to the regulator to have a a very good understanding of of what they are wanting to see happen in their market yeah. and and really treating them as as a partner rather than as a a governing body because it's run by people and those people have motivations and those people have metrics and targets to hit. So I think if you can align yourself with what the regulator is trying to accomplish, then you're going to have a really good working relationship. Mm, yeah. And yeah, I, th- I think that that makes sense. And being a part of, of Bima Lab ourselves in terms of supporting that project in Nigeria, it was very interesting to see even the regulator themselves coming out to be a part of innovation supporting innovation i know that the kenyan uh, regulator perhaps maybe is a bit ahead uh, of the nigerian uh, regulator in this regard right but having seen, a nigerian having a nigerian admit that kenya is ahead of nigeria is very strange to very me. Strange. So, <laughs> i don't know i don't know what to do with this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it's interesting and one of the things that we are uh, happy to see is that there's that interest to see innovation as a driver for the growth of insurance in Nigeria, right? That there's that intention from the regulator here in Nigeria and uh, we're happy to see that Bima Lab was one. We're seeing a web aggregator license. They are learning about what InsurTech is. Um, they're having engagements with key players within this space. So that that is a good one, right? But yeah, that doesn't take out the fact that regulation 
definitely, I mean, beyond just even in short tech, um, fintech and likes, regulation is usually one of the challenges. But be, beyond regulation, from a Turaco point of view, what are some of like the, the challenges to uh, scaling uh, Turaco? What are some of the challenges that you faced uh, from when you started, you know, in 2019, I believe, till date, uh, moving from, yes, working in, in one country to three countries today. What are some of those challenges um, that you faced and how perhaps did you overcome them or are you overcoming them? I think, I think there's always going to be challenges as you scale for sure. As you, as you rightly point out, it's funny. I really thought we would have had more challenges around team and culture and, and all these things as we, as we scaled into, into three markets, but okay. we actually just haven't had a lot of, we we certainly haven't had issues or or things that I would point to as challenges, right? We've been very intentional about making sure that we're hiring the right people and then bringing them into the team and the culture in the right ways. Mm. And I think that that's paid dividends in our ability to have a strong culture and and work well with people. Mm. So something that I probably expected to be a challenge has has really not been, and and I think that's. Uh, I praise I praise all of my team members for for their collaborative nature and and just carrying through what we're trying to accomplish together. I, I guess the one one challenge I'll point to is just partnerships are hard when you're an, an intermediary, right? When you're stepping in between an insurance company and a, a distribution partner and then an end user, right? You're you're just one piece of the equation and you have to be, you have to act as a statesman, right? In terms of a company, try and get all of those different parties to align on what they're trying to do. And we've done that well in some circumstances and we've done it poorly in others and learned a lot of lessons about how to, how to build partnerships well. So that's probably the thing that I would say we're, we've overcome the most and are still in the process of overcoming and will probably continue to overcome. Mm, that's, that's interesting. And I, I was going to ask about people and culture and how you're able to weave these two things in your journey to growth and, and scaling. And it was interesting to hear your thoughts, you know, that that has not been a challenge. So for, for people building today, right, entering into the insurtech space, where, for example, people, culture is a challenge or they're also thinking that might be a challenge. How should they approach it or what should they have in place? Or what's, what's the mindset that should be there? Because yes, Turaco is doing amazing things, but just like you said about the regulator, there are human beings behind the Nikon name. So Definitely. what should be in place? What would you be advising the innovators coming to this space? N- nothing I'm going to say is, is novel, like new advice, but um, the things that Things that we've we've really lived well have been first and foremost just not being lazy about culture, right? Culture will form one way or the other. <laughs> so if you're if you're lazy about it or unintentional, it will form in ways that you may not want. And you see this with lots of startups in the world that have bad cultures that you can you can name a long list. Yeah, just just choose choose what you want as a culture, and 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 a lot of it comes down to who are your first hires, and what kind of person are you as a founder, and and what kind of a business priorities do you want to do you want to have in place? So yeah, be intentional about choosing it, and be intentional about continuing to talk about it regularly are probably the two most important things around 
around culture because it will change as you grow. I mean, we're 180 people now. We're we're at a very different stage of our business than we were when we first wrote down what we wanted our culture to be when we were, there were four of us. And now we're continuing to refine it and make sure making sure that it's appropriate for on paper and then in practice for what we want our business to be. I think the the other key thing that I heard many, many times from other founders um, that we have implemented well is just being really selective about who who you hire, just hiring slow, making sure that you, particularly if it's if it's going to be a more senior person that you've spent a lot of time with them and had them do some some kind of consulting projects to see can they are they really going to work well with you both in terms of their their output and the and the cultural fit so th- those are probably the two things that I would point to is just be be intentional and make sure that you're hiring the right folks mm-hmm. talking about being intentional um I, w- I would like to see how this has translated as well to partnerships so again of course we know that Terraco partners with incubants in the different countries that you operate. So um, how have you been able to identify, you know, the most suited partners for this journey? You know, coming into Nigeria as well, I'm sure that there must have been a lot of um, noise about who is the best um, or, or like the top performing insurance companies that you, you expected to partner with um, to support your business model. So um, how have you been able to manage that as well in terms of getting and partnering with the right insurance company or getting the right partners? I think a lot of it's come down to reputation for us. So, and, and I'll talk about reputation in two ways, both the reputation that we have as Turaco and the reputation that the insurance company has as their own, as their own entity, right? So for, first off, to even have a good conversation with an insurance company, you have to have a good reputation, right? You have to get some kind of a warm introduction to to that business. You can't just cold call an insurance company, expect them to go into, into business with you to do mass market insurance, right? That there's no way, there's no way that's going to happen. So right. we, we were really intentional around making sure that we have done business well and above board and making our making our insurance partners make money, right? Like all the things that you would want if you were one of them, right? I, I'm My faith drives a lot of these things, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you is like a driving principle. Um, love your neighbors yourself. So mm-hmm. I, we're very much trying to treat the, our insurance partners as we would want to be treated. Um, even though there are moments where we could probably squeeze more profit out of a relationship, like you, you really want to honor honor those partnerships because reputation is so important. So, so that's, that's one side I would say. And then on the other side, I would, I would point to reputation of the insurance company they're working with. And you just don't want to work with bad, bad players because of that same issue, right? If, if you're working with a company that's notorious for not paying claims or notorious for doing very shady deals, then you're going to build a reputation aligned to that way of doing business. And and that's very much not what we want at Turaco. So the, the companies that we've been fortunate enough to work with are well regarded and we've come we've been doing business in a in a well regarded way. So um we've managed to maintain those relationships 
yeah, in very healthy ways. Okay. <laughs> I mean, um, like you said, intentionality really, really matters, and also reputation um, that you, you've also mentioned. Um, we're, we're starting to see like a bit of um, acceptance, um, especially again from a, a region where um, a lot of people have trust issues when it comes to insurance. So, yeah, speaking about right partner could either make or mar that perception about the reputation of, of a company. Um, say for instance, like Soraco. So yes, um, I totally agree with you with um, intentionality and also for the reputation. I think before we let you go, we just like to ask um, one final question. What should we be expecting next from Soraco and other people who are trying to navigate the space, that's the initial tech space, what, what should they also um, do? So these are like, again, two-part questions. I was just looking through uh, and I see you have insured about 200k lives, paid about 4,000 claims. You're present in three markets. So, yeah, what next? There's more to come. I can't really talk about it, <laughs> but I can definitely <laughs> say there's more There's more to come. So, so keep an eye on us. One anecdote I can give you is that in the last three months, we've insured a new 350,000 people. Wow. So we're we're growing very fast and yeah, have a lot of a lot of expansion plans in the markets where we're currently operating and then in new markets as well. So yeah, very exciting times for Toronto. In in terms of in terms of what advice I would give to other insure techs, I really will will go back to this point of being customer centric. I guess I'll I'll share I'll share two things. Be customer centric. Don't don't just think that whatever every other insurance company does is gonna work if you take a couple zeros off the end of it. You have to really think about the customer's perspective. And then the other thing I would say is insurance can be a really shady business, right? There's, it's very normal for there to be commissions and kickbacks in this, in this industry. And if you want to have a good reputation and if you want to help kind of rewrite the way that insurance is done for, for kind of mass market consumer value, I would just say to stay away from those things because there's there's other ways to operate you don't need to you don't need to do that mm, great uh wise words <laughs> thank, thank you thank you very much for 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 those who are looking to connect with you, you know, to collaborate to partner who want to work with Turaco, i mean your journey to ensuring a billion people how can they do that yeah please just just reach out to me on linkedin i'll i'll respond as as quickly as possible always happy to explore a potential partnership though not gonna lie i'm not gonna like uh help my competitors do well in the <laughs> business but always willing to explore potential partnerships awesome thank you very much ted been a pleasure speaking with you thank you for sharing as much as you did happy to hear the amazing things that you are pushing with turaco amazing stuff from you and the team there and uh, well done thank you very much ted Thank you so much. Really grateful to be with you guys and, and blessings on your journey. Hi, and I hope you did enjoy that conversation. Quite interesting one. Do ensure that you continue to listen to our podcast and share as well with your colleagues and friends uh, future episodes and even previous ones on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, on every platform that you get your podcasts. Right. And also don't forget to join the conversation on all of our social media platforms. You might have comments, reviews, as well as questions. Please do share on our LinkedIn page, on our Twitter page, as well as remember to follow us.